Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Angular Story. This week, we're talking to Philippe Derrick. I hope I got somewhere in the ballpark there. <laughs> yeah, cl close enough. Uh, sure, it's Philippe Derrick uh -huh. from uh, Leuven in Belgium. Very cool. Yeah, Belgium's one of those places that I would love to visit. I took some French in high school. My grandmother was from Lyon in France, so... Oh, wow. Yeah, so I want to go back there and... Uh, visit some places too, but this episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Anyway, um, we're here to uh, talk to you about you and uh, get your story, how you got into code and things like that. Uh, but before we do that, uh, for those that didn't hear your adventures in Angular episode, do you want to just give a brief introduction, who you are, what you do, where you work, why people know who you are? Sure. So um, I'm Philippe. I'm basically, I, what I do is I help uh, companies build more secure web applications. So essentially, uh -huh. um, I'm a more of a security expert. So um, if, I, if I would describe myself, I would say I'm security first and development second um, because my main job is training other developers on how to build mm -hmm. secure applications. And the, the focus there is always on security. Um, I consult with companies uh, building complex systems on how they have to tackle security from the beginning and how to um, think about these things and what the current best practices are. So it's right. um, usually all security what I do, but uh, highly related to practical advice for developers. So it's not the security where it's like, yeah, that doesn't help us very much. It's uh, concrete advice where you can actually uh, go back to your application and start looking at the code to see like, is this actually secure? And if not, um, mm -hmm. these are the ways to, to build it out in a more secure way. And we talked about a lot of security topics in our um, Adventures in Angular uh, episode from last week. So that was definitely a lot of fun. And I'm sure this one is going to be totally fun as well. Oh, heck yeah. So uh, give, give us a little bit of background. How did you get into programming? Um, it's, it's, I've been doing this for, for a long time. So um, I, I guess when I was in my teens, um, well, you, you were online. That was the, the early days of the internet, as I like to call it, even though it's already uh, quite far in, in the internet, but it was pre-broadband. So it was mm -hmm. still ISDN and dial-up and all of that. And you had IRC channels and there was at that time was like a, a graphical IRC client. You could write some scripts for that. And that's actually what got me hooked. We built like a trivia bot uh, asking questions and playing games, stuff like that. Um, nice. And from there, um, it was kind of a logical transgression. So in high school, when we had a computer uh, science course, they, they threw something at me and I was like done with everything for one semester in two lessons. So I was like, give me more. I want to learn more. And um, just kept going from there. So I did some system administration stuff um, when I was a student. Rode around in town on my bike, uh, going fix to fix other people's computers for the university. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, actually getting paid to do that as well. So that was nice. And then 
um, started, well, I studied computer science, did a PhD in security and things just um, dove or moved on from there. So it's actually a very natural thing and it has been my number one thing that I've been doing uh, for a long time now. So yeah. Nice. That, that's awesome. And yeah, I remember those, those days. I mean, I, I got in the same way. I was uh, doing IT for the university as a student. Um, of course, we were, we were supporting more of the infrastructure and server stuff. So we didn't go out and fix people's computers. We would log into the servers and fix that. Or, you know, occasionally we had to, yeah, we'd jump in a car because the campus was rather large and drive out to fix some network switch somewhere or order in a fix from another department or things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that's absolutely awesome. Yeah, they yeah. wouldn't trust us with that critical infrastructure, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> they, they were running their own student network and they had the support desk. Well, they had a, like a help desk to, to call in and if they couldn't fix it over the phone, they would send one of us out. And um, that was yeah. actually pretty cool. I got to see a lot of people. And well, if you're lucky, you could fix a lot of problems in a short amount of time and you were done early and still get paid yep. for the full evening. So. Oh, there you go. Pretty cool gig, yeah. Very cool. So uh, how did you wind up? Uh, did you did you do programming for a while and then get into security? Or did you get into security and then figure out the development stuff? Or how did that all work out? It's it's always been a close mix. So I would say that um, I, I was doing security first, but um, doing something on computers without really programming doesn't work well. So mm-hmm. I actually started scripting and programming, but I quickly moved to security and everything I did was in function of security. But I've, I've built software, um, but usually it was focused on, on security aspects or building out security right. tools or something like that. And when I did my PhD, um, the, the same story actually kind of continued because I started working on this uh, client-side defense against a certain attack called cross-site request forgery. And mm-hmm. we built it out in a browser plugin. So it was actually a real thing that you could install in your browser and it would actually prevent most of these attacks while trying not to break um, scenarios that are legitimate. And um, that's, that kind of further honed my, my skills because essentially once when you're building stuff for your own or for technical people, it's kind of straightforward. And well, you can cut some corners here and there, but if you're building something for users, it's it's a whole different ballpark. And um, learning how to to build something that people can actually use, how, how to make communication possible, how to reach out to them and have them reach out to you. That's that's a whole different story, sure. Yeah. So so as you're learning this stuff, I mean, I've had a few people come to me and say, hey, I want to do some of the security consulting and things like that. And they have no idea where to start. It seems like once you're in for a while and you get what's going on and you, you know, you understand the lingo and things like that, it's it's kind of easy to maintain your knowledge. You know, you just make sure you're you're looking in the right places. But if somebody's trying to get started and trying to get the mindset that they need for this, uh, how, how do they do that? I, I think getting started with the mindset, I, I like how you put that um, because to me, that's the most important thing, having that mindset. And um, whether you apply it to web security or mobile security or physical security, it's, it's mm-hmm. basically the same mindset. It's always thinking about how things can be abused, what can go wrong, uh, things like that. How do you start? Um, I know it's scary, but just dive in, start reading about security. And it's um, if it's a good book or a good article, um, it will have this this mindset will be there kind of implicit, sometimes very explicit. But usually it's implicit the way things are explained, the way uh, an argument is being built. And just by um, by reading and learning about that, you'll you'll start seeing things in, in the same fashion. But um, I think 
it, it, it only really works if you focus on the security aspects. Um, mm -hmm. And it doesn't happen that quickly if you're looking for a, a secure solution to your development problem. So it's um, I would I would recommend to uh, focus on security specific resources uh, first because that's going to give you um, a lot of the context you need. And then after that, it's it's a matter of deciding what way you want to go in because there's so much. And honestly, I haven't met anyone who's able to cover everything uh, security wise uh, today. Right. So it's uh, it's insane. Yeah, that makes sense. So when you're talking about security specific solutions, are you talking about like OWASP or? OWASP sure has a, a very useful set of resources. Absolutely. So OWASP is, mm -hmm. is a nonprofit organization um, aiming to improve the state of security and software. And what they do is they basically create a, a very large community of volunteers doing mm -hmm. uh, useful, useful stuff. They build useful documents, they build uh, code examples, uh, tools, vulnerable applications you can go out and hack, uh, things like that. Um, and all of that is, is very useful. So yeah, there's definitely a bunch of um, information available there that can get you started. But um, apart from OWASP, there's also other other things and a lot to learn as well. It's often about technology first, and then after you master technology, you can start thinking about security implications of these things. Nice. So, um, so yeah, so you start learning about this stuff. What resources were there when you were learning it? Um, Back in the day, books or videos or yes. What? Back then, I still read a lot of books, so mm -hmm. that was the time where you could actually get a book, which remained valid for like five to ten years, which is uh, today <laughs> not the case. Five to <laughs> ten know. minutes these days. Yeah, something like that. By the time your book is finished, it's like yeah, this thing is outdated. Let's dump it. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's a whole different age. So I started with books like Linux Server Administration and things like that. Uh -huh. It remained valid for a long time. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a good one. There's still a few, few gems out there that are, um, more about the, the way of thinking and classical examples, um, which are still really, really relevant. Mm -hmm. uh, one really good book is security engineering from Ross Anderson, which actually explains a lot about the mindset and makes it very explicit. So that is definitely a, a strong recommendation for anyone, um, thinking about security. It's not a light reading material so it actually goes into a lot of depth in some scenarios has some real world examples of security failures as well not necessarily it uh, only but also like military problems with security and stuff like that so it's oh wow uh, yeah it's it's a uh, yeah there's a lot of knowledge in that book and that's a good good starting point and other than that find out what 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 is your poison basically what what you're interested in if it's uh, web security or mobile or containers or whatever yeah, whatever works for you. Nice. So at what point were you were you into the security stuff? Did you start getting into the web security and sort of the, the front end uh, Angular React view? I'm assuming you treat some back end stuff too, but how did you get exposed to that kind of security? Yeah, again, that's that's kind of a slow progression moving forward part of it is because i really suck at low level code so uh don't don't try to give me pointers and uh reference and all of these things mm -hmm. that really gets me confused really quickly so c was not my uh, best course <laughs> at the university <laughs> so um but backend stuff in java that's how things got started that was the day of java server side uh, web page generation like gsp and oh uh, yeah so I, I started learning these things um, back when I was a student. And then, of course, security back then was uh, mainly uh, server-side thing. 
And then I think um, when I finished my PhD, that was when Angular 1 was still um, mm -hmm. the main framework uh, in, in the Angular world. Uh, there was no talk of Angular 2. So I started looking at like, what does security mean in Angular? And actually right. I had to learn Angular first, um, which was a big surprise in the beginning because it's, that was when this was still awesome. It's like, oh my God, this, this takes away so much pain. Like, yeah, let's do this. And I started learning about security and how Angular handles cross-site scripting and how you'll find crappy advice in Stack Overflow to <laughs> bypass that. And well, the talk basically grew from there. Uh, and that's how I started uh, talking about that. And I still, I was at an Angular conference in Belgium last week and I still met people that said like, yeah, I, I first met you at, at this meetup talk you did about Angular security at the university. And I was like, yeah, that's a long time ago. And uh, people yep. still remember that. So um, that's what got me hooked to Angular. And then, of course, Angular 2 came out and they, they got a lot of things a lot better than before, which is uh, great for me to talk about. Like, hey, if you're doing Angular, this is actually pretty cool for security. We talked about that in a previous episode as well. Mm -hmm. And then, I, I've, of course, uh, people are using other things than Angular. There's more out there. Right. In case some of the listeners have no idea, there's a lot of people using things like React and Vue. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I started looking at those as well. But I'm, I'm, I'm mainly an Angular guy because... The security in Angular is, Angular is the only framework that gets security right by default. And I really, oh, wow. really like that as a security person. So, yeah. That's... Yeah, I think you kind of implied that in the episode, but I don't know if you explicitly stated it. So, I think so. I, I think so because I, I remember being careful about not uh, bashing React or Vue too much, um, <laughs> which I always have to be careful about because if people ask me, I'm like, do it with Angular because... From a security perspective, Angular is a lot better, but I'm fully aware that Angular solves different problems than React yes. and Vue do. And um, usually I follow up that first piece of advice with whatever works for you. If your team mm -hmm. um, is comfortable with, with React and Angular doesn't work for you, then there's no point in trying to force yourself to use Angular because it's not going to work right. like that. Um, but yeah. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. I, I really like how Angular handles a couple of things out of the box, which the other frameworks do not. And that is my main preference, I would say. Nice. So uh, how much have you done with the other frameworks with Angular, and, or sorry, with Vue and React? Um, it's mainly about um, figuring out how they work with security. Uh -huh. So um, I haven't, I honestly don't have time to stay up to date on all the frameworks all the time, right. uh, especially to, to build like a full-fledged application. So I usually build um, training applications with the frameworks mm -hmm. because the, the front-end security stuff is, is focused on things like cross-site scripting. And you can easily... Um, well, if you figure out the techniques or the details, then you know what's what's going on. And it's not going to impact um, the architecture of the application per se. Right. So uh, I'm, I'm, I built my own applications that I use for my trainings in Angular. And then I have like, um, I have a training application for posting restaurant reviews. And I have that one in, in a couple of different languages. Um, and even server-side technologies like the old Java server pages to show how things went bad in that <laughs> in that area and how it's a lot better if you have to fix it in a front-end application than you have to do in a back-end application. Yeah. So even in React, it's actually better than it used to be in PHP or GSP or ASP.NET or, right. or whatever. So it's still a big improvement, but I think we can do even better.
Yeah. Well, I, I think security is one of those fields to where, you know, some of these are going to be obvious, like cross-site scripting and things like that, where it's, okay, you know, my framework can handle, you know, 95% of the cases, right? Where this is going to, could even crop up and it's just not going to happen. And then somebody's going to come up with something else or some new way of doing it that, okay, so so it's it's this race that we're going to have to continually run for as long as we have computers. Yeah, um, definitely. And what, what I see in the last couple of years is the technologies that we're using for security are becoming more and more complicated as well. Mm-hmm. So we have a browser security policies like CSP and, um, well, frankly, it's it's a, explaining that to a developer to make it useful for them. It's it's a really, really hard job because it's, yeah. it's a very complicated policy and there's a, a lot of um, bypasses if you get it wrong. So you have to really understand what you're doing to get it right. And right. same thing goes for server-side technologies like um, OAuth and OpenID Connect and mm-hmm. all of these things. It's um, just understanding how they work before you can understand whether you're doing it securely. That takes an insane amount of effort. And that's yeah. Um, that's what a lot of my consulting gigs are, are about nowadays. Like, hey, we're doing this and we don't really know whether this is okay. Can you take a look at this and can you help us out with defining what the best practices really are? Because we don't want to spend a year diving through all the specs and all of that to figure out whether we're doing a, the right job. And that knowledge yeah. injection really helps teams move forward because they get like a, a quick checkup or quick overview of best practices. And they're like, okay, we got this right. We need to fix this and we can move forward. And that really helps. Yeah. Makes sense. And and we went into a lot of this stuff in the Adventures in Angular episode, so I'm not going to belabor it too much. I am curious, though, um, what's your process for evaluating? Let's say that, you know, Angular releases Angular 9, which we know is coming soon. Um, what do you do, you know, when they release it to evaluate it for security? Well, fortunately, I would say on the security side, things remain fairly stable. So um, I think that the most of... Uh, the security-related behavior in Angular has been there since version 2, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe over time they made some minor modifications that affect certain aspects, like adding interceptors in version 4. That was a kind of a big change, um, but we had something similar in Angular 1, so it was still kind of similar. So what, what I typically do is I go to the release notes to see what the features are that they actually added, because I don't follow that on like uh, very closely either. Um, mm-hmm. And then when there is something security related, I have to figure out what changed. But uh, honestly, I haven't seen that happen in Angular yet. So uh, in React, for example, they did uh, change or are going to change. I haven't checked in the last two weeks, but uh, they actually did change some security behavior by default. Um, It's again a good thing. But um, yeah, then of course I have to figure it out, update my, right. my course materials, update my uh, labs and, and all of that. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a continuous game of staying up to date security. There's, yep. It's not like I can ever be done with my courseware or anything. It's always uh, updating and always fine-tuning. Yeah. Where do people find your course? Um, I do in-person developer training. Mm-hmm. So um, you find it if you bring me to your company. I'll I gotcha. course along. <laughs> Uh, with me, so yeah, it's it's mainly in-person training, but um, I'm planning to release some online content next year. So if you if you follow me on Twitter or um, subscribe to the mailing list, you'll definitely get updates from there as well. But it's well, anyone who has ever built online content will know that this is not an easy job and takes a lot. Oh of yeah. Time. So but I'm I'm slowly getting ready for that. So uh, first we have the holiday season, and after that I'm gonna jump yep. into it recharged and ready to go. 
Yeah, it seems like a lot of folks or a lot of companies, sorry, that get it right, they tend to have one person that's kind of dedicated to this. And it may not be a full-time job, but it's a significant part of the time that they spend working on that. So, Yeah, that, that depends on the company size. So um, some of my customers actually are really big companies. They have like a, mm-hmm. a security team with hundreds of people in, in that security team. And what they try to do is, um, or what seems to work really well, is that they embed security champions in the development teams. And right. a security champion is kind of a, a developer with a, an appetite for security. So someone who wants to learn more, who wants to, um, who gets training on security as well. And they actually steer the team from the inside. So whenever right. there's a development discussion, like, can we do it like this or that? They can be like, no, that is probably not very secure. So let's do it like this. And that um, already brings like the, the security awareness into the team. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, they can escalate to the security team for very specific questions or guidelines or something like that. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely a, a very important job to stay up to date uh, so that you can actually give um, concrete advice. Yeah, and I like that approach too because <clears throat> for better or worse, human nature is such that it's easier to take when it comes from quote-unquote one of us, right? And so if you have that security champion on the team and they fit in or they feel like they belong, right? You know, I, I, I like working with Joe but sometimes Joe brings up stuff that's a pain in the neck because it's security related and that's hard. It's easier to take than, you know, somebody swooping in from the security team and going, guys, 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 guys. <laughs> yeah. And no, you cannot do release this. Yeah. You have to fix this in this first. Yeah. That, that creates definitely a bad, yeah. a bad vibe. So uh, yeah. No, the no team. <laughs> yeah. But one of the, the important things about security champions is that they're developers themselves. So yes. they, they know about the pains that developers face and it's like, I can easily say like, just do this like that. But if you don't know what's behind that, um, it's, it's going to be a major architectural change in the application. It's like a lot of code that needs to be redone and that has a major impact. So you need to have that background to understand the impact of, the, of certain decisions. And yeah, absolutely. That's, that's why I'm, I can never stop developing either. I need that, that background to make my advice and my courses and whatever relevant. Otherwise well, you're just telling people to do stuff without knowing what it means. And that's not what I want to do. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, this has been really fun. What are you working on now? Honestly, um, when I shut down my call here, I'm going to go on holiday. So uh, I'm working oh, on nice. nothing uh, except for trying to take some time off. So, yeah, it's, it's been a, a very busy year. So um, I've been looking forward to some time off. But what I'm working on next is I have a couple of conferences in Europe coming up, mm-hmm. um, conference workshops on single page application security. So I'll definitely be uh, working on that in January to make sure it's updated um, from this year. So it's uh, all ready to go. And then I'll be working on some online course materials and a couple more cheat sheets on security. So I've built a few this year about like a, a one page overview of Security in Angular, for example, um, mm-hmm. it's like a, a list of things to watch out for or to not do uh, or check for, uh, look for in your applications. And I did one on JSON Web Tokens as well. And I'm planning to build a few more next year. So, yeah. Nice. Very cool. One other thing that I, I like to do on these shows is just give people an idea of who our guests are, right? Because we talk about the tech, we talk a bit about your career, but it's like, you know, who is Philippe, right? Are you, you know, 
maybe you have 18 kids and 14 cats. I mean, who knows, right? Uh, you know, maybe you like to ski, maybe you play the guitar. Um, so, so you want to kind of give us an idea of who you are when you're not the security expert. Yeah. So I, I do have a family, um, not 18 kids, but, uh, <laughs> two, two and a half. So, uh, two kids and one on the way. Oh, congrats. Thank you. And we have zero animals at home. So, uh, no cats. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not really cat persons or dog persons. So, uh, right. no, we're, we're good like that. So what do I do? Well, I, I travel a lot for work, so I'm happy when I'm home. Um, I like to cook, so I'm also a professional chef. Um, I used to have a, a catering business for a very short amount of time, but then things oh, got wow. so, so busy that yeah, that was impossible to maintain. But yeah, I, I have Christmas coming up, so I'm actually working on the Christmas menu and slow cooking some meat and, and things like that. So that's <laughs> yes. Uh, so that yeah. that's what I like to do when I'm when I'm home. Sure. Now, when you say slow cooking some meat, are you using something like a crock pot or a smoker or? It's um, sous vide. Oh, so sous -vide. it goes okay. into a vacuum bag. And then uh -huh. um, I have some some pork. I, I don't know the English word, like the, the upper part of the, the thigh. Um, uh -huh. My fridge now, and it's going to go in, into a brine for, for two days. And then I'm going to slow cook it at 65 degrees Celsius for two more days. And going to be like oh, super tender and good. yeah it's awesome it's just like falls off the bone and it's going to be great adventures in angular is a devchat.tv production made in partnership with hero devs hero devs is a group of angular experts who can help your team code like true developer heroes if your team needs an angular expert reach out to aaron at hero.dev today so i have to ask then because i have a sous vide machine that i have never used that's a so, shame. <laughs> it, it, it is. I, it's something that I need to remedy. I have a whole bunch of uh, uh, roasts in my, um, in my freezer. So, you know, we've got, uh, we've got the rump roast, which I think is what you're talking about. Uh, shoulder roasts. Uh, I've got beef roasts too. Um, so, yeah. So, what, what should I do with, let's say that I have a shoulder, uh, beef shoulder roast. How, how, do, how, do you, how do I attack that with sous vide machine? Well, what, what, you, what you can do is um, you could um, sous vide it first. So uh -huh. basically cook it very slowly um, so it gets like real moist and tender. And then um, you can sear it afterwards. So you can basically, um, it's called oh, a that sounds good. So you, you make it like it's very juicy and tender first. Mm -hmm. And then you put it in like a really hot pan or in the oven for, for a bit. And you get the outside nice and crispy. And the inside is going to be uh, very tender because you... You slow cook right. for a very long time. So, uh, yeah, that, that would definitely be, be a good way to go. And you can Sounds start good. playing around with, with the spices and whatever you put mm -hmm. in the bag. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. Yeah, my version of this, I have a, a meat smoker that sits on my front porch. It actually looks like a mini fridge. It's, <laughs> it just plugs into the wall. Um, but, yeah, you throw some wood chips in there. It has a heating element in there that, you know, sits right under the wood makes it char and so it smokes yeah. and uh yeah i've gotten uh i've done pork in fact i've got a ton of ribs in my freezer too i should just make some some ribs um i've i've been wanting to brine a turkey and put it in the smoker and see how that goes awesome but yeah the smoker usually d depending on how i'm cooking things you know it can take anywhere from six hours to like 18 hours to cook the meat so yeah 
Sounds like a big smoker if you can fit a turkey in there. By the way, but uh, yeah, that would be about all that would fit in there is one turkey. <laughs> yeah, when when we smoke here, we do it on a smaller scale typically. But uh, yeah, I haven't tried my hand on that yet. So um, yeah, maybe next year. Who knows? Yeah, good deal. But yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to try the the sous vide. And uh, a lot of the roasts I get are vacuum sealed already, so I'm pretty sure I can just drop it in with the sous vide. I don't need to put it in a. It's already vacuum yeah. sealed, so I don't need to vacuum yeah, you, seal it. Yeah, you could do that. Then you definitely need some good seasoning afterwards. Um, yeah, when you finish the meat. But yeah, if it's already vacuum sealed, it's going to be. Uh, I don't know if you have a, an actual vacuum machine. I do. Or not. Okay, then doesn't matter. You can reseal it as well. That's, That's true. I could pull it out, season it, and then stick it in and vacuum seal it again. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you've inspired me. I, <laughs> I, I have time. Uh, I, I need to do it before I'm 40, which means I need to do it today because my birthday's in two days. All right. Mine, yeah. mine is tomorrow, actually. So. Uh, oh, congrats. Happy that's, birthday, that's man. Close call. Thank you. Same for you. That's right. We'll, we'll, we'll pretend that we're brothers or something, right? So. <laughs> All yeah, right. Um, definitely go, go try out that sous vide. There's, there's a website with a lot of great information called Chef Steps, and they have mm -hmm. a lot of great content. So uh, give them a... Give them a look and you'll be able to find something to do with your yeah. shoulder roast for sure. Yeah. One other thing that I've been thinking is just because a lot of times what I, what I do is I wind up making a meal either in my instant pot, which is a pressure cooker. And so you, you can do a lot of the slow cooker recipes. You just throw it in and it's done in an hour. Um, but yeah, I've thought about like putting a meal in the pressure cooker for tonight and then putting something that needs to run in like the slow cooker, the crock pot, you know, for, for tomorrow for dinner, yeah. you know, cause I can just leave it warm on the counter and then yeah, do something in the sous vide. And so I basically have three meals cooking at the same time and it's just like, <laughs> all right, here's tonight, here's tomorrow. Right. You yeah. know, or the smoker, same deal there, but yeah. And I'm really hankering for some ribs now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have all day left, I guess, in Salt Lake City. So uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, we have we have the whole afternoon. All right. Well, um, I, I guess the last thing we have is um, before we do picks, if people want to find you online, where do they find you? Um, I'm very active on Twitter, so that's a good uh, place to find me. And the website of my company is called PragmaticWebSecurity.com, and you can find everything you need there. So. Uh, I'm easy to reach. So if there's anything you want to talk about, don't hesitate. All right. And and that's where people can hire you too, right? Yeah, sure. Well, well I, I don't like have a, a standard hiring practice. So basically what happens, um, I just got a mail like that an hour ago. I haven't been able to respond yet, but it's people reach out like, hey, we're, we're struggling with this or that. Um, would that be a good fit? Can you help us out here? And we schedule mm -hmm. a call to talk about these things. And after that, they will we can both decide whether it's going to work out or not and whether I'm the right guy to help help you with these things. And if I am, we can move forward. And if not, then hopefully I can point you to someone who will be better suited for the problem you're having. So absolutely. Nice. All right. Well, the last part of the show is picks and we did picks on adventures in Angular as well. So um, picks are just anything you want to shout out about for the show um, I'm going to throw out a couple of picks myself and then I'll, I'll let you go for it. Um, one that's related to security, um, that I enjoyed quite a bit is a book. It's called ghost in the wires. And I can't remember the name of the author, 
but uh, he was he was a hacker. He did like phone freaking and stuff way back in the '90s, right? With a a whistle or something. Yeah. But he talks quite a bit about, hey, this is how we got past the security with this company or that company. And it was amazing to me too, just how often the security breach happened because he got through to somebody and convinced them that he was legit, as opposed to, you know, some of these more automatable. Uh, techno- technological things that we talk about. And I think as we get further and further down the pipe of security, you know, cause I mean, we've seen major breaches from big companies and you know, some of them are, yeah, it's technical. They didn't update their library or whatever. Um, I think Equifax was it Equifax. Yes. Yes. You know, and it was cause they didn't update their database engine or something. I mean, it was, it was a dumb thing. Right. But a lot of them is, they get the name of somebody in the company. They called some call somebody else in the company and they say, Hey, I'm Joe from this team. And you know, I, I need my password reset to the server and then they're in. And so, yes. So in for, yeah. Yeah. It's a really effective technique. It's a, yeah. you see it everywhere. And the, the latest incarnation is this thing called CEO fraud, where they convinced the financial department to wire like a million dollars to, to an account and it turns yeah. out it's not a legitimate account. So off, off the money goes and yeah, absolutely. So. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's stuff like that that kind of gets me going. Huh? Interesting. So yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pick that cause the book was just way fun. And then, yeah, as far as, um, you know, the cooking goes, um, I find a lot of recipes on allrecipes.com. Um, I have, I have a cookie recipe that I'm famous for that I got off of that website. And it's funny because people are like, wow, where'd you learn to make these? And I'm like, here's the app. <laughs> All right. So, so I really love that. And then, um, yeah, I just, I, I absolutely love having a smoker. Um, and it was a cheap deal at Walmart. Um, and, and I'll have to find the actual model and, and, you know, you can get one for like a hundred, 150 bucks. The sous vide machines are also pretty inexpensive. I have an Anova. Um, yes, sous vide. I have an Anova as well. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. So I'll pick those. Why don't you go ahead and uh, throw some picks at us? All right. So let me pick a security topic. Um, let me give a shout out to Let's Encrypt, which is um, mm-hmm. a certificate authority handing out certificates for everyone for free. So they automated the whole process and they make it possible for everyone to deploy everything over HTTPS, basically. So even if you have a a simple recipe website that nobody really cares about with Let's Encrypt, you can deploy this over HTTPS with zero effort and with zero cost. So that's definitely a big step forward. So they're a driving force behind the growth of HTTPS from about 30% to 70, 80% we're at today. So that's um, definitely a massive, massive effort and, and really much needed in, in today's world. And then for the cooking stuff, um, I want to give a shout out to a Belgian company called Food Pairing. And what they actually do is they have like an, uh, an, an application where you can create recipes by pairing different foods together. So essentially you start with like a main ingredient, like I want to do something with a shoulder roast. So you pick uh, the pork meat and you start from there. And based on the aromas, they, they have analyzed in a, in a lab that different foods and they will say like, okay, these foods fit well with pork and you can start selecting like, oh, I want to use uh, this vegetable or maybe this type of booze or I want to use this or that. And as you further uh, go further down the line, the, the options become kind of smaller because you want everything to fit together. 
or uh, you might want some contrast in there and they give you the option to to select all of that um, basically from a, a huge list of ingredients so i actually use that when i'm creating dishes for for christmas or something like i'm gonna do this like a, a pea soup so what would go well with with pea soup and like oh yeah pork meat and then uh, we, we dive into pork meat and it's like okay what what herbs would go well with that and it's and based on that you can really come up with some some cool stuff so yeah that's that's actually pretty awesome nice all right well um yeah i think we've covered everything uh people know where to find you definitely you want to give us your website again just yeah so it's pragmaticwebsecurity.com everything awesome. is on all right. And yeah, I'm just getting the links to my picks in the chat so people can, uh, so it'll wind up in the show notes. Um, but yeah, um, we're, we are looking for hosts and uh, sponsors for Adventures in Angular and some of the other shows. So uh, if you're interested, you can just uh, find me on Twitter. It's uh, Chuck, or sorry, CMAXW, CMAXW on Twitter. Just send me a DM. My DMs are open. And uh I'll respond and I'll let you know how to schedule a time to chat. Um, if you have ideas for adventures in Angular as far as topics, uh, people can uh, let me know in the same way. And uh, yeah, go check out my book, The uh, Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Um, and uh, that is now out in paperback. Of course, by the time this goes live, I think uh, the audiobook will be out there too. So anyway, just throwing a bunch of stuff out there because I get asked about it. And uh, yeah, people can find all that stuff there. Uh, thanks for coming, Philippe. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, next time I'm in Belgium, or I guess the first time I'm in Belgium, uh, I'll <laughs> let you know. And uh, yeah, we'll see what we can uh, see if we can get together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I'm in the country, so it's always hard to predict, but sure. Um, give me a shout out and we'll see what happens. All right. Sounds good. All right. Um, I put some links in the notes as well, so you can link to that in, in the talk notes. and. Everything is there. All right. Sounds good. Hey, Max out, everybody. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.